From the front line. It's not going to work, man. From the tailgates. Representing KGYR and its stakeholders. We are the Forum for the Fan. The Bleed Blue Show. Flying solo. Here's your host, Steve. Yeah, Boomsday Recap, ladies and gentlemen, going to get around the world of sports. This is your host, Steve, man. What's going on? I hope all is well. Uh, we get into another week of episodes this winter as we approach spring. Uh, com. whenever it's working. <laughs> we try to get the website fixed. com or the Facebook fan page, The Bleed Blue Show, IG, Twitter, The Bleed Blue Show. And listen, we got around the world of sports. I want to get in touch or get as far as uh, covering or giving my opinions. We have, we're trying to get to all these other topics that I've been dying to get to. It's hard to during the week. So you got to do these stand-alone episodes. And um, a lot of things with baseball, the NBA, uh, NHL, Major League Soccer. Uh, let's talk about it, man. And I think first I would love to talk about the ba- the baseball rules changes. Uh, spring training is practically underway. Uh, out west, down in Florida, Grapefruit League and the Cactus League. So now we're going to see some different things uh, on the 2023 season. And let's go through all the rules changes that I, uh, you know, that is implemented in the baseball season for 2023. Um, we haven't done a baseball episode, obviously, because uh, listen, I'm a Yankee fan. Uh, well, I'm a KGYR Yankee fan. The Yankees were my first team, but you know, you know, you know the drill. When they get eliminated, uh, I, I tune out baseball. I'm done with baseball. I'm done with sports. I'm, there's no other sport I'm probably done with more than when the Yankees are eliminated in playoff contention. So we were going to get back to the baseball. We're going to be alternating Sundays and Mondays for the baseball this 2023 season. Be on the lookout for that. Have some fun episodes. Give you something to listen to and your rotations to listen. So. Baseball rules. Lots, let me, I'm going to go to point by point. Um, uh, shout outs to uh, Susie Prof. I uh, saw her tweet and her, her piece, her article, her piece. I saw the rules implemented on Major League Baseball. With the bigger bases, let's start there with the bigger baseball pads, uh, making it pretty much three inches wider on each side of the box. The baseball uh, guys are saying, okay, we're looking at Larger bases. So why? Why? What's the point? I personally don't see the necessarily the need for it. Now you can uh, prevent injury with it between shortstop and second base, defensively, collisions and things of that nature. Offensively, theoretically, base runners should be able to up their percentages stealing bases because in baseball, it, it really comes down to a bang bang. Uh, throw out from the catcher to to the second baseman, shortstop, whoever's going to tag out the guy running from first base to second base. So I'm going to say that this is going to help the offense more so than anything. I'm going to say that, you know, getting, uh, you know, strong long stretches, like let's say if you hit a, a, a single to a left, a left or right, you stretch it out to a double or you're trying to stretch it out to a double. And you, you get into the uh, second base, um, before the um, you know before the tag, though I think those uh, extra inches uh, on either side of the bag is going to be everything. Whether you're going to first, second, or third base, I, to me that's more benefit of the base runner. And but actually at the same time, this actually could 
go against their um, – uh, it could go against them in certain situations like ground outs. If you got a good uh, first baseman who could stretch his, uh, his leg, foot on the bag, stretch his arm, it may give him an, an extra advantage for those outs. So, But I think that's probably going to be more in the favor of – the base runner, especially in base running situations, especially first and second, second and third. But the ground up could definitely hurt them. Because I also also think um, one of the other rules that hurts the base runners uh, is going – I'll address that when I get to it, which is the shift. Uh, but base running on a standalone, I think it favors more so the runner. So let, that's the start with the baseball rules. Now, if you're a pitcher – and a lot of these rules are probably unfavorable to you. If you are a pitcher who goes to a lot of, you know, everybody has their own style, right? We all know everybody has a windup, a twist, a hitch, or whatever. Uh, the balks are going to be a um, concern for some of these pitchers who have a, uh, they have their thing. That's like just how they concentrate or a mental a zen moment on the mound before they go towards the plate, uh, 60 feet and six inches. So, the balks are going to be on full display this season where umpires are going to be on the lookout and go through all, you know, get rid of all the weird motions that some pitchers do go through. That's going to be a disadvantage to those pitchers. Uh, uh, regular motion is what they're going to try to promote. They're going to be trying to speed up the game. And obviously, we'll get to that point when we get to it. But the balks, the weird motions, they just want to speed up the game more offense in, in a faster, efficient time. I mean, this is pretty much what all these rules are definitely are all about. So, um, ghost runners, uh, the ghost runners are going to be permanent, and this is another avenue they're going to be looking into to speed up the game. They don't want these regular season games, July going 16 innings, 14 innings, 18 innings. It's a 7 p.m., 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time game. They do not want a regular Thursday, uh, Wednesday game, Tuesday game, going all the way up into midnight. Uh, they want these fans to get home at a reasonable hour, or leave the stadium, leave the ballpark at a reasonable hour. So the ghost runners are going to be in, and a lot of traditional baseball fans are not going to like it. I personally understand why they don't like it. Um I'm not necessarily in favor for it. Uh, the pro the, I guess the problem I have with it is honestly in baseball where it's the only sport outside of a game clock. They do have a pitch clock now, but, you know, we'll talk about that. <laughs> with the baseball clock, I mean, with, you know, the baseball is the only sport without a game clock. It's just it's when you pitch it or it's when you get the accumulation of 27 outs in a game. And that could be in two hours. It could be in three hours. It could be in four hours. It could be over nine innings. It even could be over seven innings. It could be rained out, a shortened game. It's just the way the game has been played for well over a century and a half, per se. So the Ghost Runners is obviously in what they've been experimenting the last few seasons, especially since the start of COVID. And it's been a, a thing where they say, okay, we just want to end this game. If you should have, basically you're saying you should have ended the game in nine innings. You did not Well, we're going to give you guys an extra runner to start off the, the next inning and so on and so forth. Whoever has the lead by the end of, uh, you know, complete half innings is the winner. And they're going to roll with that. So ghost runners are a permanency in this 
spectrum. The pitch clock, which is my personal uh, eye I'm going to keep an eye out on. Uh, the pitch clock where, you know, the, when you get to 15, within 15 seconds with no one on base, you have got to throw that rock to the, uh, the pitcher has got to throw it to the catcher. 15 seconds, right? If you got a man on base, that's, they're going to give you an extra five seconds. You know, they want to speed these games up. The game is changing. The rules are changing. And, and this is what makes it really interesting how you look at this in the future of could this affect somebody being an all-star, a Hall of Famer, little tweaks to these rules, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? You're never going to know because you're playing with a different set of rules that you did not play with up until 2022. 2023 is a game changer. We talk about rules and how it, it affects errors on, in different sports, and this is the situation in baseball. They're trying to put fannies in the seats, y'all. Let's be honest, man. The, the number one sport in the country is football, and baseball wants to spot back. At one point, baseball was America's pastime. How are you going to get back to America's pastime? You fit, you have favorable rules, offensively driven, to get fannies in the stands. That's the name of the game, ladies and gentlemen. So with a pitch clock, 15 seconds, you got to throw a pitch. 20 seconds with a guy on base. And here's the kicker, which is it's, it, I think it's fair with with a pitcher and the catcher. Uh, let's hold it up right there. Let's hold off right there. Hold up. Give me a second. Sorry about that. I should have played a commercial during the break. But anyway, I should have played a commercial. Sorry about the gas in the air in this, in this podcast. But anyway, um, Favorable for the pitcher, favorable for the batter, where with this pitch clock situation, if you're a pitcher and you have not delivered that pitch within that 15 uh, seconds with nobody on, 20 seconds with a batter not on, you're a deemed a ball in your pitch count. I think that's very fair because the opposite reigns true for the batter. So if you're a batter and you're not in that batter's box by a certain amount of time, let's say eight seconds, you will be charged a strike. Speeding up the game, ladies and gentlemen, this is what they're trying to do with Major League Baseball. They are trying to speed up the game. I think that's going to be the biggest implement with all these rules is that pitch clock. Games are going to go by fast, and with baseball, you're going to have to pay attention a little bit more, and that will be including me. Because you know how it is with these fans, these, you know, my age and younger, they're all on social media. And baseball is probably the easiest sport to be on social media. Why? Because the game is slow. And I'm not saying I'm, you know, I'm against that. I am saying that, you know, you can tweet, you can IG, you go to Facebook and all this TikTok stuff that people are on. When it comes to baseball, you could do that because the, the, the speed of the game is slower than all the other sports, the hockey, the football, the basketball. So pitch clock is going to be on. Fans are going to have to pay attention to exactly what happened and rely on replays if they miss it. Let's see. What else are we missing? Um, oh, yeah. This is um, uh, the position players. No issues with this one. The, uh, the position players, um, if you're going to be pitching, you know, extra innings, uh, you can pitch in extra innings if you don't want to run out of pitchers. If you're, you know, the, the hero rule with the knife in it, if you're up, board, 
more than eight runs or, you know, in the ninth, you know, if you're up leading by 10 runs or if you're down by eight or eight or more runs, you know, position players could pitch. I cool with that, right? Everything's cool with that. Now the elimination of the ship, I do have a problem with, and this is not, this should not be a detriment to the play, to the team playing defense. Uh, they went through all the statistical stuff for the years with the analytics, how you're going to play against a certain baseball player. If you're going to have three guys on the right side, a fourth outfielder or a fourth, fifth infielder. In my opinion, a baseball team should play defense however they choose to. However, how, you know, you should be free will to play however defense you are willing to play defense for. And I think this is a stupid rule, honestly. You you, you should not if, – if, if the team wants to shift the baseball – if they want to play the shift in the defense, if they want to have an uh, overloaded side in the infield, let them have it. That's that's on them. If they want to get beat with an opposite uh, field hit because too many men were on the other side of the field playing defense, that should be on the defense. Let the game – let the guys def- defend how they choose to defend. I I do not like or agree with the elimination of the shift, totally, totally inept, totally, totally inept, uh, just the approach to that, man. So, you know, the baseball rules, let me go through it one more time, just a summary level with the bigger bases, eh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of so-so with that, eh, I'm so-so with that. The balks go through the motion, I'm not necessarily against it, but I understand that it affects uh, – these are pitchers who uh, have their own thing. Like there's a lot, most pitchers I think are kind of, yeah, going motion towards the plate is fine. But then there's just a, 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 an outlier of pitches, pitchers that have their own style and that's going to hurt them and that sucks because that's just how they make the living. And I don't think they should be necessarily um, uh, 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 penalized for that. I think if anything, I think it, no matter how many pitchers have their own different motions, as long as if you want to do the pitch clock thing, go ahead and do it. I just don't think you should penalize somebody because they have a different motion going to the plate. So that's kind of where I stand with that. The ghost runners permanent, uh, man, you know, I'm kind of back and forth with it. I'm kind of traditional in that sense of, you know, let them earn their win. Uh, whoever has the most runs by the end of the top end half or the bottom half of the inning after nine or even extra innings, but I understand they want to speed the game up and I get it. I definitely get it. Don't necessarily agree, but I understand why they're doing it. Uh, Position players, there's definitely no issue with that. I have no issue with the pitch clock and I definitely have an issue with the elimination of the uh, shift. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Let's see where we're going at with that. That was the first 15, right? That was the first 15. All right, the NBA is going to be back after this uh, all-star break. And, you know, shout out to Nickelbacker Avenue Wednesday nights, uh, 9 p.m. during uh, the season or after the games on Wednesday at the Knicks play. And we try to get around the NBA as possible. Sometimes we don't. 
And you can check out Nickabaka Avenue Extended on Twitter, and the audio space is there for a continuation of Nick's talk with Nickabaka Avenue. Shout out to Ab, man. But uh, the NBA, around the NBA, um, I didn't see any of the All-Star break or games and contests and stuff. Not not live. I saw snippets from afar, you know, what happened with highlights. But, you know, I don't, I'm not really a big All-Star guy anyway. Uh, I'll attend weekends, or I used to attend weekends, but as far as uh, – uh, watching those now, I got better things to do with my time. I'm sorry, but uh, let's look at it though. In the East, I you know I, I I just do I do think the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks are the team to beat. I don't think that's any surprise there. I'm not a really big believer in Philadelphia, and I think that's kind of really it. Um, to me, a clear cut is Boston and Milwaukee. It's, it's no no way around it. But in the West, let's talk about the West because we don't really get into the West talk as much as we should or could, right? Uh, you got big changes. You got Kevin Durant now on the Phoenix Suns. We haven't seen him yet play, and I was looking forward to that. I think there was a night I was watching um, the Clippers and the Suns, and I thought he was going to play that game, and I guess he didn't. And uh, him on the Suns, that's kind of a, a, a situation. If you see guys like chasing rings, uh, Chris Paul's chasing a ring, uh, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, you know, Kevin Durant has already got a ring, but he would definitely be in some legacy category shit if he get a ring with them because we already know, we already know that he, when he went to Golden State, it's kind of like he manufactured a ring. He was already on the best team as it was, and he just got to a stronger team. And he did his thing there, but he would definitely cement his legacy, you know, winning a chip with Phoenix. But there's a team I want to really focus on. That's the Denver Nuggets. And the Denver Nuggets is a team that's kind of been under the radar nationally. Nobody really talks about them because they've always been this four-seed, five-seed type of team in the last five years, uh, bubble, even in the bubble season. They've always had drafted great talent. They got the two-time MVP in Nikola Jokic. Uh, uh, Michael Porter Jr. He's always seems like he's in and out of with injuries, and Jamal Murray's coming off an ACL injury. They added some pieces like Kadavius uh, Caldwell Pope, uh, decent bench with Jeff Green coming off of it. Uh, this is a team. I think honestly, they sh- this is their. I don't think they're going to win it, of course, but this to me is their window at least at minimum Western Conference Finals. I think they're top team in the in the West right now. But they need to go for a push. I mean, we've seen a couple of seasons that got knocked out by Portland. Remember, Jokic was fighting with Portland uh, Trailblazers coming off the court. The the, the Denver Nuggets, in uh, a year, it's a really weird year with the with the West because, to me, all the powerhouse teams were in the East, but then the West got, got, got a little bit stronger, added Kevin Durant to the Suns and, of course, Kyrie Irving to the Mavericks. Uh, the Clippers have the deepest roster. And then you see the Lakers trying to come on strong. They won a lot of games, but they're kind of on the bottom half of the, uh, the bottom half of that playoff bracket. With also Sacramento doing the thing with the the Aaron Fox and uh, um, uh, Sabonis. Uh, so my thing, the whole point I'm trying to say with the Denver Nuggets, and maybe the same conversation could be said for the the Memphis Grizzlies. I probably would have the same conversation with Memphis Grizzlies next season. But more so the Denver Nuggets, like, I don't know how many times you're going to get into the playoffs and be a middle-of-the-run team where you need to go for a push. you got to at least get to the Western Conference Finals. That's at least something the Denver Nuggets, I mean, the Memphis Grizzlies has done. They've gotten to the West Finals. Uh, but Denver, 
they um they got the two time MVP. You got to go for it. Now I think you know, even if they came out the West, it's not even guaranteed they come out the West. It, to me, they just got to get to a West Finals. Uh, got to get through the first round and the second round. Um, they're not really. I mean, they're a very good team, but they're not like an all time Western Conference champion team. But the whole point with the different Nuggets that I'm bringing up is, I think they need to be a little bit more pressure on them to perform in playoff situations. Jamal Murray's coming off an injury, and maybe that's the pass some people or a lot of people will give them. But they have the two time MVP, and they should be riding the back of him. And the, and the same thing with Michael Porter Jr., uh, a guy who's talented as fuck, always injured, just got to stay on the court. But who knows what their window is going to be closing. And like I said, the same conversation could be had with the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, but when I look at the West, um, they're not going to be the best team in the West going into the finals, even with a number one seed. That's the crazy thing about this shift uh, plays going out West. Uh, it, it, it's possible they could get clipped off in the second round if they ran into a Phoenix, or a Phoenix could climb high as two with like what twenty 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 three games left in the season. So the Denver Nuggets need to be held accountable for, ladies and gentlemen. They do, they do. The Denver Nuggets need to be held accountable. So um, I don't know what they're gonna do, man. Let me see. Let me go back to the set with the West, man. Let me check out the West. Because they have, uh, let me see what, how many games they, let me see who they play left to back up that first seed. Let's see, let's go to Denver Nuggets, let's bring them up. All right, and let's go Denver, 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 Denver. There we go. So they're coming off the, oh, that's a nice game. Thursday, yeah, the game versus the middle of the pack Cleveland, uh, uh, Cleveland Cavalier team. Oh, wow. They they have a, um, let's see. They, all right. Wow. Okay. Well, shit. Right. Out, <laughs> I did not know that right out the gate. They got the Cavaliers. I'm going to have to check that game. Man. We ain't, I don't think we're talking football this Thursday. So I'm going to have to check out that game. They're going to be in Cleveland. That's a good game. And then the next night in Memphis, man, I, man I'm going to be having my, a little bit of a heavy dose of Denver Nugget basketball. Uh, this end of this week, huh? At Cleveland, at Memphis. Then they got the Clippers. Jesus, right off the rip. But they got them at home. So, uh, they, they, you know, those are th- three competitive games that they're going to be facing. They got Memphis right after that. So, two out of four versus Memphis. The schedule definitely does ease up. Uh, Toronto, the Bulls, the Spurs, the Nets, the Raptors. Yeah, they got a lot of winnable games. They even got the Knicks. Um... Uh, at the Garden, the Nets, relatively favorable schedule after they get through that first four, man. They should lock up that first seed. They got Phoenix at the end of the year, uh, the, the uh, Pelicans at home. They should, uh, I yeah, I think uh, they should lock up the first seed. They should. Get through the first four games and win three out of four. They should handle business. They should be able to handle business. They, gotta, they have a... Um, Five game lead on a Grizzly. Oh yeah, be, yeah. I, yeah, Phoenix is nine and a half back. Yeah, they're not catching Denver. No, not with twenty two games left. That's that's too many. Denver Denver's schedule is pretty much solved. So if this, if, if if this stuff was to uh, start at the um, end of the season was the end, the Clippers and the and the Phoenix Suns will score off in the first round. But that winner of that series will end up playing Denver, and both of those teams could beat Denver. 
So that that's going to be uh, fun, and Denver's got to get past them. And if they ran, listen, I don't think, listen, they it's, it's possible they could get clipped off in that second round, talking about the Denver Nuggets. You know, you know, I don't know the playing situation and who would come out of that because that's kind of more of a wait and see with the Denver Nuggets. But uh, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., Nikola Jokic, you know, you got to step it up, man. got to step it up. Let's see. NHL. Let's get to the NHL. Where are we stand with the NHL? We saw the, um, you know, I want to shout out uh, the stadium series. They look definitely, they definitely look dope on TV, right? You saw the uh, Carolina Hurricanes versus the uh, Washington Capitals with the alternate stadium series jerseys, and I think they're pretty fire. Um, I think they should have it more, man. I, I think they should go all out. The NHL, every team, uh, man, I, I might go that route and say every team should at least have one stadium series game a season. If you are a, you know, if you're in, um. Let's say you're a Boston Bruins fan. Maybe that game is held at Fenway. If you're a Buffalo Sabres fan, a game will probably be held at um, where the Bills played in Orchard Park, right? I, I see the, the unbalance with that. Also, you know, not every NHL team has an uh, NFL size stadium. Maybe they have a collegiate stadium or a CFL stadium. Because remember. Uh, some of these teams are, are Canada, and they have CFL teams. So you can play, probably set up a CFL situation, uh, CFL games. You know, it, the games would probably look dope in Canada, where uh, outside it's more snowy. You, I, I would definitely be a favorite for that. You know, if, if the NHL would go that route. You know, if you're in, you know, it's going to be hard to do it in Florida because it's so fucking warm, and you have to do it. I don't know. Like, it's really, it's too hot. And, in Florida or maybe even Southern California, you can't really get those places to do a winter series. So you probably have to get more of those games on the road. Maybe it's not fair to the uh, warmer cities, but that's the thing when you try to make um, these games, you know, you try to make these games in cold weather environments because it's outside, right? I mean, that's just the way it is. Um, Stadium City, I loved it, man. I love the Carolina uh, Hurricanes game over the weekend versus the Capitals. At NC State at Carter-Finley Carter Stadium. Um, I think that's in Raleigh. Well, I, I know it's in the Raleigh area. That's where – yeah, it is in Raleigh. Um, that's where the, uh, the Hurricanes play. I would love to see more, more of these games on a more frequent basis, man. Like, like if the Blackhawks were to play, or are you going to see a game at Soldier Field or, or at Wrigley? If you're, a, you know, with Detroit, you probably have to play that shit at Comerica where the Tigers play. I, I would be um, – Oh, yeah, or St. Louis, where the where the where the, um, where the Cardinals play. There's a lot of fun ways you could do that, and it'd be a money grab. It'd be something people could do. Uh, you know, somebody who goes to games and like to see a game outside for a hockey game, that would be pretty fucking dope, man. That would definitely be uh, excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, but the NHL, uh, all the powerhouse teams are in the East. That's something I talked about before. All the, the, the bangers are in the East. Um, if you look at the West, let me focus on the Western Conference. Don't really get to talk much of them as as, as like we used to. Um, the Dallas Stars has had a, a very good season. And I, I know, you know our team, the Rangers, you know, by the time you hear, hear this episode, we already done played on it. They had a nice, nice bounce back year, and that's the thing about the NHL, man. You could be terrible one year and just bounce back just like that. The very next year, with damn near the same roster, it's just fucking weird like that, right? But the, the, the but the defending champs are coming, and that was their whole thing was a lot of injuries. 
they know they had the most deepest and talented team. Um, and they and a lot and a lot of teams in the West took advantage of that. Uh, Seattle, Los Angeles, Vegas, uh, Dallas, Winnipeg. These teams um, are good teams, but they're not better than teams in the East. They're not better than the Boston's, the Toronto's, uh, the Carolina, or even the Rangers. You might arguably be, arguably say the Devils could definitely compete with any of the teams in the West. You could definitely say that. Um, Seattle's kind of cooled off. Edmonton's a dangerous team offensively because of the top line, but outside of that, they ain't got shit. Uh, and Calgary, you know, is a middle-of-the-run Western Conference team that could play decent at times. You know, they're kind of at where I thought they would have been looking at the roster going into this year after, you know, guys leaving and bringing in other guys, you know, like Jonathan Huberto. But um, the West, okay, the West is not deep at all, man. Not deep. There's a lot of fire still going with those guys. So I will say, um, you know, I, I, with the NHL, I would say that uh, everybody's in the East. We're going to see the remaining games of the season. Keep your, eye out, keep your eye out on in the, in the Central Division. I think Dallas will hold on. I think the Dallas Stars will definitely hold on to the post or their spot. Uh, in the West, absolutely. I'm not going to focus on the East. We always talk about the East on Tuesday, so we'll probably get into more of that on the Ring Podcast with Ranger Proud. Follow Ranger Proud on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, last thing, we, I try to get to more and more, and that is the MLS, where the regular season is going to be kicking off this week. And the and here's the thing about MLS, and I think we're all, we all know the fact that they are not the Premier League, and I don't know if they're necessarily trying to be the Premier League. Everybody knows fans, players, soccer aficionados know the Premier League is the top soccer league in the world, right? But the, let me tell you something. The MLS, if it's something you're trying to do in the summertime, take it, take yourself, treat yourself to a soccer event. I'm telling you, a lot of these teams in MLS, they have a very good college football-like energy, okay? The MLS is nothing to sleep on as far as attending games in person, the camaraderie with the fans. They kick off this new season this week, uh, the defending champion LA Galaxy, which is, you know, a, a relatively a new team. What, they've, what, five years or their fifth year in existence being a second team in LA? Um you know, they're going to be defending their crown. They had a fantastic season last year, the LA Galaxy. Uh, the thing about the MLS, which I want to give them props, because even though they're not the best soccer league in, in the world, but the Premier League, because a lot of, listen, a lot of them use MLS as a bridge to get to the Premier League, and which is fine. If you want to say MLS is the de facto juniors or the de facto minor league to, to the Premier League, by all means, they are that. that that's exactly what they are. Um, but they are the best junior league in sports or in, in American sports, meaning they're better than the G League in basketball to the NBA. They're better than the OHL or the AHL or the KHL to the NHL. They are better than minor league baseball to um, – to the uh, you know you know double A single A triple A to Major League Baseball they are even better than the U- the USFL or um, or XFL to um, to the NFL. But however, I will say this: when it comes to 
basketball and in particular football. I mean, you could also say that college football, collegiate sports kind of is more of the juniors to that, but I'm talking about legitimate paid athletes to play, and that's definitely MLS. I mean, this sport is definitely going. It seems like they're adding a team every fucking year, right? Think about it. They've added the uh, the Atlanta United in 2017, and I think the, in that same year they added uh, the Minnesota United uh, Football Club. They added the defending champion LAFC uh, in 2018. I remember being in Cincinnati, just visiting the town. Uh, they added the FC Cincinnati team, that new stadium that's like right there in downtown, really beautiful stadium in 2019. They added that soccer team at Inter Miami in 2020. That Austin team was on fire, too, last year. Austin FC, they got three teams in Texas, so that would be the Houston Dynamo, the Dallas team, and also now Austin. That Charlotte team, uh, last year, the, the, the owner of the Panthers uh, uh, got the soccer team, and I think they're trying to build a soccer stadium uh, for the, that Charlotte team, which is cool. And then also now I saw this uh, last summer when I was in St. Louis, the the new St. Louis City team that's going to be debuting in 2023. They've been and they're going to add two more teams next year. I mean this this league is growing, growing like crazy, like wildfire, right? And here's what I, I no I'm not, I'm, I'm I, this is not Steve Zool unfiltered. I'm not going to go that route. I'm not going to throw a shot at the WNBA, but I could have swore the MLS and the WNBA came into the uh, existence around the same time, maybe a, a year or two apart. But uh, look how MLS has grown. And this is the reason why I think MLS has grown a lot more and better than, you know, the WNBA. Not that, you know, because nobody asked, honestly, is they, they both play their seasons in the heart at the same time. Like this MLS soccer season is long. Uh, they had like you know small tournaments within the season. They start the season in February. The shit ends in like November if you win the championship. It, I mean, it's a very long season. It, the games could be in the middle of the week. It could be end of the week, and it's once every week. Um, the the crowds are fire. The jerseys are beautiful. They, they have nice jerseys, man. You should check out their jerseys on MLS website. Get you one some style. It, it's really dope, man. And but know what I know what here's one of the things I think about the MLS. I think a lot of people enjoy about it, and I don't think a lot of people talk about it. It's probably been written about, but right. I really think when it comes to the MLS soccer, they have somewhat of an advantage on even the traditional sports. Like for instance, if you're a uh, New York Jet fan and you move to California, more than likely if you're a Gen X fan, like a generational X or a millennial fan, you usually bring your team along with you, right? That's kind of how it works with the old school sports fan. They usually bring their fandom wherever they move to. It could be across the world, across the states, whatever. But I think MLS and especially with younger fans, because younger uh, Gen Z fans, they're more about the fantasy player. They're more about following the player. They don't really attach themselves to teams. But I really find that, let's say if you were a a, a, a citizen that lived in Ohio and you moved to Texas, you may not have a, a team in Ohio. When you were growing up in Ohio as a youngster, you're probably like 22, 23, leaving Ohio State, college, whatever, Youngstown State or Ohio University. You, let's say you moved to Texas. You moved to Austin. You got a gig job. You got a um, 
uh, you know, whatever, some sort of, whatever in your industry. You move to Austin because Austin's a young, upcoming city where a lot of techies move to. A lot of them from Silicon Valley in California. This is where, you know, a lot, you know it's growing, building buildings everywhere. It's a growing city. Now they have an MLS, uh, they have an MLS uh, team. It, it, it gets you, if you're a, if a, a fan that moved to another place, it gives you an opportunity to latch on with a clean slate to that new team in that city. And that's what soccer is. You may not even know shit about soccer. You may not know a, a damn, but the point is, it gives you something to do in the summer and camaraderie with people who live around you. That's what, and the tickets are not that bad. They're not expensive or anything like that. So, you know, I think um, the soccer is growing, man. And, and I will definitely talk more about it on more recaps throughout the year. Absolutely, man. I, I think soccer is a, a fun, I used to not like it. I'm gonna be, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I was never really the biggest fan. Like even watching the World Cup and growing up as a, you know, growing up, I used to, you know, I used to sleep doing that stuff. I didn't find it fascinating. But to just look at the last World Cup with France and Brazil, right? Was it France and Brazil? No, 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 no. Argentina. I'm sorry, Argentina and France, right? Because that final, how exciting it was. The point, like, when you get older, you start to appreciate how these guys keep their bodies in, in, in physical top, tip-top shape. Without, because that sport, you know, the clock is always running. Remember, I was talking about baseball. Like, with, with baseball, there is no clock. You, could, you know, you could take as you know, before 2023, you could take as long as you wanted to throw out a pitch. But, damn, um, baseball, listen. I mean, I mean, not baseball, but soccer. Uh, the clock is always running; it's never stopping. But it's a fun. It's fun. It's a, kudos to them, man. Growing the teams. A lot of the teams don't play in large NFL stadiums. They play in small, intimate type environments. So if you're into that, uh, uh, you know, those type of games and those crowds are very litty, man. Definitely check you out one, man. Blue, Blues Day recap, man. How to get into these baseball changes? Sorry about the delay earlier. I had to take care of something. Baseball changes. Look the rules. Whether you agree, disagree, leave a comment. NBA, MLS, NHL. Uh, be on the week uh, on the lookout for the episodes this week. Sangre Asu, ladies and gentlemen, on the Blues Day recap. Bleed blue. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Blue, 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 blue,